Sabbath afternoon's lesson, we are introduced to a small town. And in this small town, there was a clock in the window of the jewellers. And it stopped working one day and it stopped at the time quarter to nine. And many of the citizens in this town depended on this clock to help them tell the time. So on this particular morning, a lot of men and women and children glanced in the window and saw that the time was quarter to nine. So they noticed they had more time. And so many people loitered and were late to work that morning because one small clock in a jeweller's window had stopped. And in the lesson, it compares this story to the children of Israel. The Lord placed Israel in the midst of the nations in a strategic place between three continents. They were the spiritual clock of the world. However, Israel stopped in a sense like the clock in the jeweller's window. It was not a total failure for Ben, as today God has many faithful remnants. Our study this week focuses on the identity and the role of God's true Israel in every age, including our own. And the scripture reading for this week's lesson is taken from 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Sunday's lesson above all people. The Hebrew people were specifically chosen by God to be his special representatives on the earth. Now, if we look at the word special and in its translation in Hebrew, it can mean a valued property or peculiar treasure. So the question that I have for you, Michael, is why was Israel chosen by God and what made them so special? Could you possibly give me a quick recap on Israel? That's a very good question. So what made Israel so special? So you mentioned factors such as them being the way they were located. In Ezekiel 5 verse 5, Israel's described as being in the midst of the nations. So it acted as a bridge to other civilizations so that they could actually see the standard set by Israel. And you know, from the verse you read in First Peter 2 verse 9, we see that God has a grand purpose and a divine mission for the people. Because, and what made them special, well, what set them apart was the fact that they were born from Abraham. They were descendants of one of the most faithful men that ever walked on the earth. And as a result of being descendants of Abraham, they had the blessing, they had the responsibility of carrying the lineage that would ultimately lead to the Messiah. This was a holy honour and this was a grave responsibility as well. It made me think sometimes like, why, why would God take such a small group of people? People don't, don't necessarily have any significant talent or cultural prestige they didn't they weren't exactly a superpower at the time what made them qualified as opposed to other nations well there was nothing in them in their own selves that made them qualified but we see that with god's help they had everything available to equip them for their holy purpose the only thing that they needed to be was to be willing vessels 
and allow God to fill their hearts and shape their characters. And it's, and it's easy when we, when we look at Israel, we think, yes, they're special. But there was a danger that came with that status. And that was the idea of becoming kind of prideful or being comfortable in that status. The idea that they became proud and boastful of their usefulness to God, or they felt like because of the covering, the status that they held with God, God would protect them from anything and everything and including the consequences of their actions as well. But we need to realize that God doesn't need us. We need him more than he needs us. And we need to recognize that God is the the author and the finisher of everything that we do. And he gives us the power to do great things. What made Israel special? They were just willing people. But they, that, that's not to say that they didn't make mistakes, but God was patient with them. And he, he, he wanted to use them to fulfill a purpose. They just had to be willing to be shaped by him in order to fulfill the task at hand for them. Monday, Land Deal. So in today's lesson, we're going to be looking at a particular detail within the covenant agreement, which would have great implications for Abraham's descendants moving forward. So what was this detail in the covenant agreement? We're going to find out in a little bit. So in Genesis 15 verse 13, God tells Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in this land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Now God knows everything that's going to happen and he's now revealed part of the future to Abraham and God's plan included sending the Jews to Egypt for 400 years. Now why would God do this? Why? What was the purpose of God putting the Israelites through this trial in order for them to gain this land? Well, in verses 14 and 16 of the same chapter, chapter, God says, I will bring my judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So God's talking about two major aspects that are going to happen in 400 years. So the first thing that God's describing is the Israelites leaving Egypt with great possessions. Now, in order for them to leave Egypt, they had to be in Egypt in the first place. God promised that their exit from Egypt, their exit from slavery, would mean great abundance for the nation of Israel. And we see this being fulfilled within Exodus chapter 12. It talks about in verses 35 and 36 how the people of Israel, after the 10th plague had occurred, they asked the Egyptians for their jewelry and for clothing. And God had given the Israelites favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So everything that the Egyptians had, they let them have it. They let them have whatever they asked. 
And as a result, they left Egypt quite wealthy. Now, the second aspect of this prophecy or this covenant that God gives to Abraham was this group called the Amorites. And these were people who were exceedingly wicked. They didn't worship God. They worshipped idols. And they, they disregarded God's commandments. However, when you think about it, God's, I think Genesis 15 verse 16, it demonstrates God's love and his mercy towards sinners. God chose to wait for over 400 years to bring judgment upon these people. Yes, they were enemies of God, but they did not need to remain enemies necessarily. necessarily. They had ample time to turn away from everything that they were doing and to turn to God and be forgiven the same way the Amorites had a chance to repent and be saved reminds me of the Assyrians in Nineveh during the time of Noah as well and we see in this lesson that God does things in quite an unorthodox way he could have chosen a different way or a different time frame for all of this to happen for the Israelites to get to the promised land but he chose a particular way which would bring glory to himself and also like when we think about the 400 years that took place between Abraham and when they finally reached Canaan we can see so many examples of God's wisdom and his might for example Joseph we see between that time Joseph was born he became the Pharaoh's right-hand man and it was through God's the dreams that God gave Joseph that he was able to not only preserve Egypt at the time but preserve Israelites during the famine as well we see Moses and how he rises to leadership and through his leadership He's able to bring the Israelites out of captivity through one of the greatest miracles to ever occur, which was the splitting of the Red Sea. These all took place during Israel's time in Egypt. What what seems like such a degrading and such a difficult time was, was a point in which God was working the most in the Israelites' lives. This is evidence that God cares about our needs and he looks out for us in ways that we don't expect. Our times in the valley, our times in our struggles are in which God is moulding us and shaping us into the people that he's called us to be. It's through the tough times in which we're being refined. And despite our sin, despite our wayward behaviour, despite us falling short, even when we're going through difficult periods everything that we go through is not by accident we are continuing in our process of sanctification we are works in progress and we need God every step of the way not just in the good times not just in the times where everything's going well but even during our most trying times also nothing that we go through on this earth is by accident Tuesday's lesson, Israel and the Covenant.
So Tuesday's lesson is called Israel and the Covenant. When we look back at Noah's experience, it makes me realize that God expects something from his children. It's easy to see that if Noah hadn't followed precisely God's instructions in building an ark, he and his family would have not survived and the flood would have destroyed everything and everyone and we probably wouldn't have any hope. But God's commandments, when we look at God's commandments, they're not restrictive. They're not there to bind us or make life depressing. God's commandments are designed to help us survive this world of sin. But our disobedience of them is not merely doing what he says. It starts with breaking our relationship with God in various ways. So for example, when we look at Noah again and during the antediluvian period, we are told that their thoughts were evil. And, and when we look at how our spiritual walk is like, when we look at our spiritual walk, thoughts precede our actions. Therefore, we need to be able to guard our hearts, as it says in Proverbs 4, verse 23. When we look at Israel, Israel was very loved by God. Israel was a nation in which God took pride in. However, they had a bit of a complicated history because they failed to guard their hearts. When we, when we see them, they constantly slipped into apostasy. They only possessed the full territory promised to them under the brief reigns of David and Solomon. God had so much in store for them, but as a result of them not being obedient, they missed out on much more of what God had planned for them initially. When we look at prophets in the Bible, prophets, prophets, especially people like Elijah, people like Nathan, they would continuously warn the people of their disobedience and they pointed out their lack of commitment to God's covenant. On the topic of covenant, my question for you, Georgia, is why why is God's covenant like a marriage? And why does Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 3, 1 and 20, use the example of the wife leaving her husband? Who does the wife or bride represent? The covenant is likened to a marriage because marriage is a sacred commitment. It's more than just a business deal. It's more than a piece of paper. It's a personal relationship. And that's what it comes down to, having a personal relationship with God. Wednesday's lesson, The Remnant. So at this point um, in Elijah's ministry, he had just run away and he, he was basically telling God how he's done everything he can but the people have rejected him. He was almost at his wit's end, in that sense. He felt like there was nothing he could do. He felt like he, he felt like everything, everything he had done was for nothing. But God, he gives Elijah this, this encouragement by saying that there's 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed the knee to bow. And God knew them and he counted them. And by presenting this information to Elijah, he was trying to instill in him 
some encouragement. He was trying to instill in him some hope that despite everything that had happened, despite Jezebel and Ahab still um, live ruling in apostasy, that that there were people that God was going to rise up and that Elijah wasn't the only one. He wasn't by himself. And we see this kind of dialogue take place all throughout Israel's history. We find similar situations where a small number of God's people were committed to keeping his original covenant alive. Isaiah mentioned those who are left in Zion as being holy. Micah talks about a remnant who are lame and who are considered outcasts. And Zephaniah, he talks about a remnant of Israel who are known as meek and humble. And humble. And even Jesus says, like, he has sheep who hear his voice and follow him. These are people that are secure and that won't be shaken or snatched out of his hand. Even though the whole world mocks them, even if even if they're by themselves, God is still with them and that there's still people who will stand for the truth. When we look at Jesus, thousands of people mocked him and he was crucified for something that he didn't do or that was unjust. God's son always recognises his faithful people, no matter how small the number they be, they might be. God isn't concerned about numbers. We, we've seen this in Gideon. We've seen this in so many situations in which the majority, um, it seemed like the majority was going to win, but God, when God is by our side, he is always going to win despite what little resources we may have according to the world. And we must never use Christians who are not living up to their religious commitments as an excuse to leave God's side. We are told that many will fall away from God, especially in the end times as well. But if we hold on to that promise as individuals, we can be a part of this, this faithful remnant. Thursday's lesson, Spiritual Israel. Thursday's lesson is called Spiritual Israel. What does, what does that mean exactly? Well, I think one thing that I find encouraging is the fact that God's plan of salvation extends beyond the physical borders of Israel. And, and, ex- and it's not exclusive to the lineage and the, and the direct descendants of Abraham either. The plan wasn't over when the Son of God came in human form and died for our sins. The plan God has for our planet is still being carried out today and we're still waiting for Jesus to return as he promised so that he can complete his full justice. God has a special people right now that consists of all who know and truly believe in his name. These people are known as spiritual Israel. They're not literal Israel, but these people, they do not, their nationality, their gender, social standing, it doesn't matter to God. His people are diverse in terms of ethnicity and in terms of race. And that's why 
Abraham is said to be a father of many nation, nations, not just the father of one nation. Galatians 3, 27 to 29 really sums up this today's lesson quite well. And it talks about how all those who put on Christ, who belong to him, they're heirs according to the promise, not based on whether one's a Jew or Greek, whether someone's a slave or they're free, or whether they're a male or female. We belong to Christ if if we choose to put him put him in our lives, if we choose to make him a part of us. So no matter where you come from or your lineage or where you come from, God says that we are spiritual Israelites and we will and we have this hope, we have this promise that we will inherit the kingdom of God. So now I'll be given closing thoughts on lesson six. So in this lesson, we looked at the nation of ancient Israel. We see how, we see how God shaped and cultivated Israel to be recipients of the promise of the Messiah. Their purpose was to mainly welcome and nurture the Son of God while he was here on earth. Unfortunately, we see that Satan, he did his best to divert them from their mission by causing them to forget their covenant relationship. And we see that they fell repeatedly into sinful and idolatrous lifestyles. We see that, like, we see that that strategy didn't work. Righteousness by faith was replaced by righteousness by works. And this is something that draws us further away from God as opposed to drawing him closer. Faith and character development, they're no longer valid and they did not grow under the stilted and burdensome requirements for keeping the commandments. When we look at the New Testament though, God is showing us a better way to achieve his purpose. God's people is of all nations. We are now known as spiritual Israel and we're called to be his representatives. We're no longer restricted to a certain lineage or demographic. God wants all to be partakers of his divine will whilst also being representatives as well. Israel had a mission and we have a mission now as well. And it's to prepare the world for Christ's second coming. Keeping the commandments, they're very important and they're a vital tool in us being able to maintain our relationship with God. They're important. They help us walk on the straight and narrow path and they remind us of our responsibilities. However, we shouldn't separate the commandments from faith and love as well. The commandments, our faith and our love for people must permeate into our whole being. And that's how we'll be ready for Christ's return. And Christ, will he will take us to our promised land. And in this promised land, we'll dwell with him forever. And I'm so looking forward to that day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sabbath School Snippets. And we'll see you next week 
for our next lesson.